Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. This is part two of our four-part series with Dr. Walter Semkew on reincarnation. Walter is the founder and president of the Institute for the Integration of Science, Intuition, and Spirit. He is the author of several books on reincarnation, including Born Again. Also, Return of the Revolutionaries, The Case for Reincarnation and Soul Groups Reunited. And also, Origin of the Soul and the Purpose of Reincarnation. Welcome again, Walter. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you. You have done some fascinating work of your own in the field of uh, reincarnation, which we're going to explore primarily in the third and fourth segments mm -hmm. of uh, this four-part interview series. And uh, we'll include, uh, in fact, uh, one of the identifications you made of a possible past life of, of mine. And mm -hmm. I, I'm very interested in talking to you about that. But today, for now... Let's look at the issue of xenoglossy, the ability of a person to actually speak a language that they've never learned in their present lifetime. Correct. And, and these cases are especially profound because they not only provide evidence of reincarnation, but demonstrate that one's personality is retained intact within the soul. Mm -hmm. uh, even if one accepts the premise of reincarnation, there's still the question of what happens to the past life personality. Mm -hmm. Does the, the experiences just become assimilated in, in, in the soul's fund of knowledge? Are they just memory fragments? Mm -hmm. uh, what happens to the past life personality? Well, these cases show that the past life personality can, under special states of consciousness emerge intact, mm -hmm. where the past life personalities still think they're alive. Mm -hmm. uh, the most well-researched and, and detailed case involves a woman named uh, uh, Utara Hader, mm -hmm. and the past life personality uh, called herself Sharada. Mm -hmm. Now, let me start, though, that prior to Utara's birth, her mother had a dream repeated dream where a snake was biting her on the right great toe. Mm -hmm. And in this dream, she would start kicking the, the snake off of her foot, which would cause her to awake. Mm -hmm. She had no idea why she was having this snake dream. Yeah. But it turns out that the Sharada personality had died of a snake bite to the right great toe. And, and the dreams occurred while the mother was pregnant or before the pregnancy? Uh, I, I don't remember if it was before the pregnancy or during mm -hmm. the pregnancy. But what's significant in... Ian Stevenson's series of 1,200 mm -hmm. validated childhood memory reincarnation cases mm -hmm. in 22% of the cases, almost a quarter, an announcing dream mm -hmm. was observed. Mm -hmm. And an announcing dream is a dream in which the soul that's about to incarnate in the family, that soul telegraphs its upcoming incarnation through a dream. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a prior segment, we had talked about the case of 
uh, Suzanne Ghanem. Yes. Well, in, in that case, uh, Suzanne Ghanem's mother, uh, before Suzanne was married, uh, had a repetitive dream of a woman appearing to her in her 40s who said, I'm coming to you. Mm -hmm. After um, Suzanne was born and started to develop distinct facial features, um, Suzanne's mother realized this woman in the dream that she had prior to Suzanne's birth yes. is Suzanne. Mm -hmm. And and again, Stevenson said this occurred in 22% mm -hmm. of his cases, which is very significant, which uh, indicates that souls plan lifetimes, that souls in the spirit world can interact with people, uh, human beings mm -hmm. on, on the physical plane. In other, in other words, um, in the Sharada case that we started to talk about, mm -hmm. Some people have suggested it might not be a case of reincarnation. It might be a case of possession. Correct. And Stevenson is arguing that because there was the announcement dream, it's more likely in his mind to be reincarnation. Correct. And also a second factor is in, in Stevenson's case studies, many times uh, the reincarnated person has a phobia an irrational phobia, mm -hmm. uh, which stems from the past lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for instance, in the Daniel Jurdy case that we talked about in another segment, uh, uh, in his prior lifetime, he died in an automobile accident mm -hmm. where he was thrown from a speeding car. And Daniel Jurdy uh, had a phobia of fast-moving cars, mm -hmm. even though in his lifetime he never had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. In the Sharada case, also, um, Utara Hader had an irrational fear of snakes mm -hmm. uh, throughout her childhood. Mm -hmm. And and since the Sharada individual stated that she died from a, a cobra bite on her right great toe, uh, Stevenson said this is consistent with a reincarnation case mm -hmm. that not only because it has an announcing dream, but there's a phobia consistent with the prior uh, means of death. And let's now talk about the xenoglossy as it relates to this case. Right. So, uh, what happened was um, uh, Utara uh, was an educated woman. She got two master's degrees, uh, one in English, one in public administration. Mm -hmm. She then even became a lecturer at the university where she lived. And at one point in her life, she had to have uh, be hospitalized for medical problems. Mm -hmm. And while she was in the hospital, there was a guru who came uh, to the hospital and taught patients meditation. So um, Uttara started to meditate, and one day, very unexpectedly, this this Bengali woman emerged out of her. Sharada. Sharada. Mm -hmm. And uh, Uttara could only speak the Indian language of Marathi, mm -hmm. where um, Sharada could only speak Bengali. Mm -hmm. And and it was actually very strange for the family because they could not communicate with their daughter because mm -hmm. nobody in the family knew Bengali. In other words, she stayed in this trance-like state and the Sharada personality sort of became relatively permanent. The, the Sharada personality completely took over the body mm -hmm. um, and would stay the longest duration that she took over the body continuously was 43 days. Mm -hmm. And for that period of time, they had to bring in translators so that they could 
in Iraq with their daughter. Mm -hmm. And and uh, Sharada um, still thought she was alive in the 1800s in Bengal. Mm -hmm. uh, she actually expressed disdain for the people who spoke Marathi. As it turns out, the Bengalis and the ethnic group that spoke Marathis didn't get along well. Mm -hmm. And here's the irony that uh, Sharada is, is, is criticizing, you know, the, the group that she incarnates in. Yes. And, um, she had, um, no knowledge of modern, um, appliances. When, uh, the family said, why don't you cook on this stove, gas stove? She mm -hmm. said, she had, she couldn't do it. She said she, she's used to cooking on a, a wood stove, mm -hmm. wood burning so stove. When they showed her a tape recorder, because these, these, Conversations in Bengali were tape recorded, mm -hmm. uh, and were, this was this case was studied over nine years mm -hmm. with multiple Bengali academics. Yeah, many uh, researchers looked into it. It attracted a, a lot of attention. Yeah. I, I might mention parenthetically that uh, one of my new thinking allowed guests, Dr. Stephen Browdy, a philosopher, in his book, Immortal Remains, takes this case up. And right. uh, he argues that uh, one potential interpretation that can't be ruled out is what he calls super ESP, that mm -hmm. uh, rather than it being a past life, that she uh, acquired uh, the language through uh, extrasensory perception. Right. Uh, you can make all sorts of alternative explanations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, again, Stevenson has 1,200 cases of validated mm -hmm. memories. Mm -hmm. uh, from my point of view, in aggregate, they prove reincarnation. Mm -hmm. and, and because... Utara had this phobia of snakes mm -hmm. and that there was a, this announcing dream, yes. which is typical of reincarnation cases. Mm -hmm. Stevenson argued this is a reincarnation case. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we don't need to go into all the fine points of the academic di disputes involved. But the uh, intriguing thing is, if I remember rightly, and correct me if I'm wrong, she, the, the version of Bengali that she spoke was a little bit dated, uh, as well. It wasn't the most contemporary, uh, Bengali. I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. And, and also, uh, what argues, um, I guess you could argue this is ESP, but, but Sharada listed mm -hmm. 10 or 12 relatives by name. Mm -hmm. And these uh, names were verified through Bengali mm -hmm. genealogical mm -hmm. records. And this again is typical of Stevenson reincarnation mm -hmm. cases where people remember the names of their past life relatives. Mm -hmm. And in the typical case, the child is reunited with the past life family mm -hmm. and identifies all these family yeah. members. Now, in this case, Utara was an adult, is, uh, correct? Not a child, correct? And yeah. they, th there's there's only a very small handful of cases. In fact, these three xenoglossy cases uh, are the only ones I can really remember that Stevenson published. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, they were all child cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, just to kind of finish the point is uh, Sharada, when she was played, she heard them playing back recordings on the tape recorder. Yes. She thought there must be an evil spirit in here. Mm -hmm. And and um, the uh, the Megali scholars could have fluent conversations with her mm -hmm. uh, and and this was well documented over a period of nine years. Mm -hmm.
So, uh, a classic case of, yes. of xenoglossy, which uh, certainly challenges our conventional scientific uh, viewpoint and the human personality on many dimensions, whether you think of it as possession or reincarnation or super ESP, uh, any of those hypotheses are going to do away with our uh, traditional materialist notions of human personality. Right. And Stevenson himself never really examined this as possible super ESP, but mm -hmm. he did examine the possibility that it could be possession. Mm -hmm. But then he makes the point, well, still, if it's possession, it demonstrates that personalities can exist beyond death. Yeah. And um, Jim Tucker, who has taken over for Dr. Stevenson, uh, has written extensively about this issue of ESP versus reincarnation or mm -hmm. genetic memory. Mm -hmm. And he goes in length in, in his first book about why that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants to uh, explore that further, I would recommend Dr. Tucker's book. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. It's a small field, reincarnation scholarship. There's not a lot of work being done. But amongst the people who look into it deeply, there are many different threads of inquiry. And, and possibility as we look into how could any of this be possible. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And then uh, another case that Stevenson uh, published involves um, a, a woman in uh, Philadelphia who was of Russian descent mm -hmm. and of Jewish descent. Mm -hmm. And her husband uh, was a medical doctor and started to uh, get interested in hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And so he hypnotized his wife and unexpectedly a Swedish-speaking individual uh, came out. Yeah. And he said his name was uh, Jensen Jekylby, mm -hmm. that he lived in Sweden, not far from the coast. He said he was a farmer, uh, that he also had some livestock. He expressed a great fear of Russians. Uh, he said that he had died actually uh, being forced into a body of water and then being hit on the head. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's how he died. And it, the implication is it was somehow Russian uh, soldiers who um, killed him. And uh, the irony here is that um, the the wife of mm -hmm. this physician was of Russian descent yes. and Jewish. Mm -hmm. And in this case, uh, Stevenson said, uh, why the heck would a Swedish Christian, because uh, Jensen said he, he mm -hmm. worshipped Jesus, yes. why would a, a a Swedish Christian mm -hmm. choose to possess a, um, a Jewish woman of Russian descent, you know, mm -hmm. if, if uh, uh, he uh, feared Russians. Mm -hmm. But this is a case where they also had Swedish scholars um, uh, examine recordings and and in this case, they did find that he was speaking, she was speaking, uh, what's called a middle Swedish, an mm -hmm. older version of Swedish. Yep. And also, um, she, when, when the uh, Jensen personality came through, could accurately identify objects in Swedish. Mm -hmm. So if, if uh, she was shown a picture of a uh, 1700 
a Swedish sailing vessel, mm -hmm. he would uh, accurately identify it as a skuta, which is what the Swedish people call these types of ships. Mm -hmm. If they showed her a picture of a wolf, he could identify the the wolf in the Swedish language, mm -hmm. and in in all the and Stevenson even had uh, um, the couple take lie detector tests, mm -hmm. and and. Um, to make sure that that uh, the wife did not learn Swedish by other means, yes. and they had family members sign affidavits mm -hmm. that nobody in the family uh, knew Swedish, especially a, a dialect, uh, an a, old dialect that is not even spoken. Right, mm -hmm. and this so this personality, uh, Jensen Jacobi or Jensen Jacobi, right. right. <laughs> came out under hypnosis. Under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And in general, um, Stevenson did not feel that past life regression was a reliable research tool. Mm -hmm. And and I, by the way, agree with that. Mm -hmm. there, there's actually, besides these, uh, there, there's another case that Stevenson studied that resulted from hypnosis yes. involving actually a minister mm -hmm. uh, who... Um, uh, started to do hypnosis mainly to help people with pain management. Mm -hmm. And he hypnotized his wife and a, a female German personality came out. Mm -hmm. And very similar to the uh, Jensen Jacobi case. Uh, and in all of these cases, when the past life personality that can speak the other language mm -hmm. um you know, leaves the person's body, the individual has no memory of what happened. Uh -huh. And and in these two cases, the one with Jensen Jacobi and the German yeah. personality, um, he had all both couples take lie detector mm -hmm. tests, have everybody sign affidavits, and he was convinced that these are real cases. Mm -hmm. And so the only cases that involve hypnosis or meditation in the Uttara case are those three cases. Yeah. And Stevenson has not published any others that are uh, derived through hypnosis or regression. Mm -hmm. And to my knowledge, the only other case that has been thoroughly validated that came from regression is the Robert Snow case that I briefly mentioned. Carol Beckwith. Carol Beckwith and Robert Snow. Which is a, a fascinating account. Yes. So wh what this amounts to then is that hypnotic past life regression occasionally comes up with cases that seem to provide verifiable information. Correct. Uh, so we can't rule out past life regression in the, as uh, something that cannot lead to an authentic uh, experience either of reincarnation or spirit possession or maybe even as a, some sort of mediumship or super ESP. It's likely one of those alternatives. Uh, but at the same hand, reincarnation uh, researchers tend to avoid working with hypnotic regressionists because they feel that there are too many opportunities uh, for fabrication, fabrication and fantasy. And and, uh, that, and that's why we have like 3,000 Cleopatras running around. And mm -hmm. but, but I do have an explanation for that. Yeah. Um, I believe what happens when somebody has a past life regression mm -hmm. and they believe they're Cleopatra or... Well, or, let, me, let me just stop you because I haven't heard of 3,000 Cleopatras. Well, 
I've been writing to be. <laughs> Since I've been doing this, yeah. uh, there's lots oh. of Nefertiti's also. <laughs> okay, you know more than I do but, about but, it. But uh, mm -hmm. um, what happens uh, both if, if uh, somebody believes they're mm -hmm. a famous individual, let's yeah. just use Cleopatra as an example, okay. or let's say you go to a psychic yeah. and a psychic says, I'm getting Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. What I think is really happening is uh, the phenomenon of what I call a landmark association. Mm -hmm. And I believe what happens is that a person may have a regression and tune into a past lifetime in Egypt. Yes. And maybe see the Nile and, and mm -hmm. all maybe these sorts of things. Maybe that they're part of the retinue of a famous person. Yeah, yeah. And they mm -hmm. go see the temples or whatever. Yeah. And uh, maybe the person was actually Cleopatra's advisor mm -hmm. or a lover or you know, the person who drove her chariot or mm -hmm. the person who helped her get dressed or yeah. the maid. Mm -hmm. But because this person is more obscure and you can't come up with a name, mm -hmm. you gravitate to the, the biggest personality to represent that incarnation. Mm -hmm. So Cleopatra would be the name that represents the incarnation in the era of Cleopatra. Okay. So I, I don't think it's entirely fabrication, yeah. but it's misidentification mm -hmm. of being the famous person. I, I do know there was a researcher many years ago who achieved a lot of popularity and collected thousands of cases of hypnotic regression through uh, hypnosis. And she looked at the demographics of the past lives that were reported in terms of their socioeconomic status and their fame. And she correlated those with our demographic understanding of the various ancient periods of time that these past lives were associated with. And she determined that there were no more famous people coming up in past life regressions than one would normally expect by chance. Yeah. And, and um, in the majority of cases, past life regressions mm -hmm. do not result in famous personalities. Incidentally, that researcher was Helen Wambach. Yes, and she's mm -hmm. one of the pioneers. Yeah. But in, in the majority of cases, um, uh, they, they do not result in past life, right. famous past lives. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's important to determine or to recognize is that past life regressions can have tremendous therapeutic value. Right. Uh, even though they may not uh, provide verifiable evidence. Just as present life regressions. And, and just going yeah. back to the Robert Snow case, yes. you know, Robert Snow um, had a past life regression on a dare. He didn't believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. He was shocked to see himself vividly in a past lifetime where he said it was as real as waking consciousness. Mm -hmm. And he saw himself... Uh, painting a portrait of hunchback woman. Yes. And he said he even saw himself painting every brushstroke. Mm -hmm. And he even remembered thinking to himself, why does this woman want a portrait? She's got this deformity. Mm -hmm. And he remembered thinking that he hated doing uh, uh, portraits, but that's the only way he could make money. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and Bob even remembered the date of his death in, in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. But the one thing he didn't get is a name. Mm -hmm. And and that's typical in regression. Uh, you you get visual images, mm -hmm. but you oftentimes do not get names or dates. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that he solved his case is, uh, first of all, when the reg regression was over, he still thought this was 
a fantasy sure. and that he must have just seen this hunchback woman portrait in a book or a museum mm -hmm. and for a year he tried to find this portrait and this is a professional detective yeah. and, but he came up empty. Mm -hmm. The way that what happened then, his wife said, uh, we, our anniversary's coming up, uh, let's go to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They did. On the last day, he's wandering in the French Quarter, goes into a tourist art gallery, and there's the portrait of the hunchback woman, mm -hmm. exactly like he saw it. But still, he was rational, and he thought, I still could have seen this portrait yes. somewhere. But the salesperson said, this has never is always been in private hands. Mm -hmm. Since 1913, you've never seen this. Uh -huh. But now he had the name. And it turned out the name was Carol Beckwith, the painter. He had a diary that was maintained by the uh, National Academy of Design mm -hmm. in New York. Mm -hmm. And Beckwith became the president of the academy, which is why they kept his diary. Mm. And the common thread is both both Carol Beckwith and Bob Snow are good administrators, which is why he became a place captain. I see. Well, that's a fascinating case, uh, one of many. Right. One of many cases that are strongly suggestive of reincarnation. And also that case shows, again, spiritual guidance mm -hmm. and spiritual communication. Because it's not coincidence that his wife had the message or thought, let's go to New Orleans, mm -hmm. or that he accidentally wandered into that art gallery. Mm -hmm. It was telepathic guidance. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's interesting. People have written about genealogy, uh, those who are just searching for their physical, material ancestors having that sort of guidance mm -hmm. as well, synchronicities and uh, telepathic uh, intuitions. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not surprising that people who are seeking past life information might also receive the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and many reincarnation cases are solved through, through this sort of intuitive guidance. Yeah. Uh, another case in this regard... Well, we're running out of time, Walter, so okay. I'm going to... Uh, stop you here, but let me uh, point out for our viewers that uh, we have two more segments of this uh, series of interviews on reincarnation. We're going to begin to get into your own approach, which is quite unique. Uh, it's one that most parapsychology uh, researchers uh, uh, might disavow, but you've come up with some fascinating findings, and uh, we'll be talking about that in our next interview. Great. Walter, thank you so much for being with me once again. Thank you, Jim. And thank you for being with us. Be sure to check your listings for part three of our four-part series with Dr. Walter Semkew on reincarnation. <laughs>